Hello, and welcome to Speakeasy. My name is Cody Mellicline. I'm the editor at the Alexandria Times, and today I'm joined by uh, Ben Fiore Walker, the man underneath the hat that you might know as the town crier. He's been the town crier <laughs> in Alexandria for the last 10 years or so. Um, welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to have this conversation because I don't know how many people uh, know what the town crier actually does, even though they probably know your face and sort of know the costume and, and get up and they've seen you at events. So I guess that might be the most logical place to start. What is a town crier? Yeah, so a town crier is, uh, I guess, a, a minor city official. Uh, you know, in Alexandria, it's a volunteer position. But uh, historically, they were, they were minor government officials that their job was to tell the people, primarily the populace that couldn't read, important government documents. So they would read proclamations when we were when in England from the king or from the government and read them out so that people could could hear what was going on. And then what they would do is then tack that document to a public uh, public space, like a door of a tavern or something. So then people who could read like, like the clergy or soldiers or something could read it, and they could read it from themselves. Um, and incidentally, that's where we get posting a notice. Um, so a lot of newspapers are called like yeah. the Washington Post. It's called a post from that tacking of that that proclamation. So that's what a town crier is. And I, as I mentioned in Alexandria, it's a ceremonial position um, and it's a volunteer position. So um, I do I do uh, introduce people uh, when the mayor is speaking and at events and so on and so forth. But um, I'm not a city official, so yeah. not paid by the city. <laughs> is I. Uh... Is this a position that is like common through the states? Is it like in a lot of communities, or is it like more of, a, of a, an East Coast thing? How does it, how does that work? Well, well, so it's um, there are there are a, a sprinkling of town criers across the country. Okay. A majority of them are on the East Coast with the original thirteen colonies. Yeah. Um, so you had that, but then you have uh, many on the Pacific West Coast that were from the Canadian. Uh, you know the Canadian influence. So um, basically, you have you have I can't remember the numbers, but there are there are there's a North American Guild of town criers, and I think there's about 400 of us in that. And then there's an international guild um, that um, covers the rest of the world, and I can't remember the numbers of that. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's there. You know, Alexandria was the only city in Virginia that had a, a, an official town crier. Um, I think the city of Port Royal has one now. Um, many, many jurisdictions have a person who does the town crier role in parades, but it's not, it, it's, a, it's, an official, it's an official position here in Alexandria. And it's been an official position, I believe, since the 70s, correct? There's been, it was remade into an official position. And then since then, there's been, I believe, four or five of you guys. Been, yeah, four. I'm the fourth. Okay. Um, and uh, since, yeah, since the, the bicentennial, it's 1976. Yeah. Were, that's kind of reconstituted in the modern, I call it the modern era of okay. town criers. Yeah, the new school of criers. Um, yes, that's right. 
So I, I, I don't know how many people know, but uh, obviously you do, as you said, this is a ceremonial position. You're not paid by the city. So you do have a life outside of uh, <laughs> being the town crier. You have a degree in, in neuroscience. I do. You've served as the associate dean of diversity and inclusion at Georgetown University. I think you've, you've sort of done work in diversity and inclusion for a variety of other organizations. Um, mm -hmm. And, but I, I sort of wonder what made you originally sort of 10 years ago, throw your metaphorical and, and literal hat into the ring to become the town crier. What was sort of the inciting factor for you to make that decision? Yeah. I, well, I've always been a, a history enthusiast. I am, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm not trained in, in history or historical studies or anything like that, but I've always been a, a fan of history. Growing up outside Philadelphia, I was a fan of particularly the, the colonial area era because that's a lot of it that happens mm -hmm. at that in that area. Uh, so, um, so that was that was one thing. That's what originally drew me to Alexandria, that colonial feel, that that low rise city, that you know, so that that part of it has a lot of character. And so I, I was a docent at Gatsby's Tavern and you know, loved telling people about the history and kind of trying, I guess, in my own way to impart some of that enthusiasm that my mom gave to me to visitors of Alexandria as they came into uh, Gatsby's Tavern. And then I also did history tours and I decided to do it on the back of a pedicab. So I would pedal people around the steep hills of uh, of old town sometimes, and uh, so that you know I was a cyclist, so that was fun. Um, but it was also fun to just uh, talk to people, and you kind of have them captive in your pedicab, and you can ride them around and talk about the city and show them some of the neat places that are sometimes too far to walk in between places, but you would miss if you were in like a bus or you know in some sort of car, you would miss some of the some of the small things. So I was doing those type of things, and then I had two friends that sent me separately the announcement of when the city was going to open the search for a town crier. They had gone about a year uh, without a town crier and they decided that they wanted to, to open that search again. So they put out a press release and it was sent out to staff of Alexandria and, and then it was sent to a lot of the local performing groups that are around. So a friend of mine who was in the uh, the Washington Rebels got it and said, "Oh, Ben, you'd be perfect for this. You know, it's in Alexandria. You like history." And they and he sent it to me. I had another friend who worked for the city also got it and said, "Oh, you'd be perfect for this." And they the two emails came in about a minute apart, and I thought, "Oh, you know what? What's going on here?" So I did a little research as to what it was and what a town crier does in the you know the two thousands. And um, and said, oh, that'd be fun. You know, it's greeting people. It's talking to them about Alexandria history or the city. Um, it's it's the opportunity to wear uh, colonial clothing. You know, what's not to love about that? So I decided to give it a shot. And as I understand it, there was sort of like a uh, some sort of audition process, I guess, or maybe competition. I don't know what term you'd use for it. What was that process uh, like? Uh, it was a cry off. Is a what cry off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a cry off, and uh, yes, they, that's how they were going to do it. They were going to have, um, they would, they'd give everyone who's interested a, a common cry, and that was just so they could have a standard, that they can compare us on, and the plan was we would, 
walk into the room. There'd be six judges in the room. They would measure us on our, our deportment or how we carry ourselves, our strength of our voice, and you know just how we connected with the material and the people in the room. Um, they said that you didn't have to memorize the, the cry, but you could just, you could, you should know it well enough so that you don't have to be glued to the words. You could look up and, and make eye contact and, and regale the audience, so to speak. And then we had the opportunity to, to write a creative cry, our own type of cry about any topic we want. Uh, and so and then there was going to be some interview questions. So. Yeah, so we, you know, I, I said, okay, that's great. They're gonna have, they're gonna record it also, and then they'd put those, the recording of everyone's kind of um, performance on the internet, and people could click on it and vote for who they thought uh, did the best. So it was kind of a mix of the live judges and the and then the internet judges, and then they would they would crown a winner. So it was it was a it was a pretty cool process, um, and it was about. I guess 15 of us went to the information session. And then a um, when the day of the, the competition, I think it was 12 of us that were that showed up and said, all right, we'll do this. What was your creative cry? Uh, my creative cry was uh, just talking about the history of, of Alexandria. So I just started a little bit of where where Alexandria is and um, and how it was formed. You know, it's Named after a, um, uh, for, uh, someone from Scotland, and um, of course, but there were Irish people here, and there were African Americans here, and so on. I just kind of talked about where we are located, and you know, on near the Potomac, and you know, um, Cameron Run and Hunting Creek, and so on. So it's just you know, kind of a fun little thing of where where we are and what Alexandria is. And I decided to do it in a in a rhyming scheme, and uh, so just to kind of break it up, and so it's not a a dry proclamation of about a, about a town. I just decided to make it rhyme and impart some information and have a you know an interesting way to do it. It must have, I mean, just like any audition process, it must have been must have been a little bit nerve wracking, sort of comparing yourself to what other people are bringing to it. What, how do you feel like, I guess, what do you feel like you brought to the role and what do you think ended up appealing to the judges in terms of what you presented? I, I've kind of been asking myself that for 10 years. <laughs> um, I, think, I, I think I brought in, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of enthusiasm to it, but I, I, I wasn't the only one. There were a lot of people in that room that were very enthusiastic about, um, about, about doing this. So, I, I mean, I think... You know the the just the way I carried myself, the way I uh, handled the the questions. Perhaps um, I'm I'm not quite sure what went into the mix, um, but I know when I went to the information session, I was very discouraged because when I saw all the other people there, um, they were people who I thought had much higher credentials or more bona fide chops in this area. Um, there was, you know, there are people who do the history tours, you know, the ghost tours and so on in Alexandria. So they're doing this every day and talking about Alexandria history. There are people who were, there's a person who was an author and wrote several books about this time period and Alexandria. 
Um, and while they said you didn't need to know any particular history of Alexandria, you didn't that didn't need to be part of the who they're going to pick. Um, I just thought, well, these people kind of could probably hit this out of a park. Um, there was also a person who was a toastmaster. So he was, okay. uh, yeah, he was very, very tall. Um, in my memory, he was like, you know, nine feet tall, but uh, I don't think he was that tall, but he had a very deep voice and his voice was such that it, it seemed to rattle the, you know, the, the window panes uh, when he was speaking just in a normal voice. And I thought, yeah, if he just, you know, cranked up the volume, you know, you just blow one's hair back. So, uh, and that's the thing. You have to be able to speak loudly, but clearly. You're not shouting, but you're just, you know, you're you're very much getting the, you know, just speaking in a very loud voice uh, that could carry um, and overcome, you know, the elements outside and, you know, traffic and aircraft and all sorts sure. of other things. But um, things that original town criers didn't have to worry about. But um, <laughs> but I'm sure there are a lot of noises out there. So they so he he was really really good at that and i thought and then plus he was a toastmaster so he used to giving speeches in front of people all the time um you know my i was a college professor so yeah i stood up on stage and talked to people and and imparted wisdom but you know you know i just i was very discouraged but i still thought i'll do it anyway um and and i said i you know i, I definitely won't win if i don't enter so and, you know i decided to give it a shot and i was very fortunate to have won the competition yeah. Did you know that you had a, I guess, a town crier voice, quote unquote, when you sort of went into the audition? Because obviously you said you, you were a professor, so you were you were comfortable or at least familiar with talking to large groups of people sort of in a forum setting. But did you know that you had sort of a quote unquote town crier voice going into that? No, I think everyone just said I was loud, but okay. um, <laughs> I just, you know, a loud talker. No, I, I didn't. Um, and I really didn't know, I didn't know what it, what it was until I was kind of practicing. When I going over the, the common cry and, and over my creative cry, I would, I would practice in my house when the family was gone and, um, and just the dogs were there and, um, and they put up with it. I would also practice in my car. Um, you know, I figured, well, I'll just go to the supermarket in, in a parking lot and I'll just you know, practice in my car. And then, then I kind of learned that cars aren't soundproof and so people with their shopping carts are walking around looking around like who is orating very loudly <laughs> uh, in a parking lot and i'm like uh, you know so i kind of scrunched down in the seat and just you know said, oh, okay i don't know who that was either um but then i guess i realized that it yeah it's a different it's a different volume it's a different way of speaking um and i guess that's what i was using when i was you know, teaching my classes, um, you know, you know, a large lecture hall, you have to be able to project out. Um, Cause I move around a lot when I'm, when I was teaching. So I didn't, I wasn't standing at a lectern with a microphone. I was moving around and, and such. So I had to be able to project. So I guess that's what I did. And then I kind of learned then looking back on it, I thought that, oh yeah, my father had a town crier voice. So mm. he would, uh, he, he would, uh, when I was in high school and you know, I played lacrosse and such, and I was on the fields and he would be in the stands and I could always tell when he when was there. Cause he would just say, burn in this really, this <laughs> voice that carried and I was like, you know, okay, that's my dad's here. Um, I guess I, I guess I already, I always had it, but I didn't, 
really didn't know it until I had to put it to the test in this particular role. I guess for, for over the 10 years that you've been in the role, I guess for you personally, what has been the thing that's sort of kept you coming back and the thing that's kept you engaged as a town crier? What part of it, what part of the role do you enjoy the most? Yeah, well, for me, it's it's the um, it's interacting with the people and talking about Alexandria, and and because there are a lot of neat neat things that go on in Alexandria, and 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 it's a it's a city I happen to to love being a part of, so that's always fun, um, and yeah, and, and I guess for me, it's you know kind of the thinking of things that we we who live here see a thousand times you know, maybe every day, um, for, for a lot of people, that's their first time seeing it. You know, that's, that's pretty neat. So I think it's seeing the excitement in, in, you know, the people's eyes, which is, it's just fun. Cause a lot of the, you know, the tourists are on vacation. So they're, of course they're happy. They're on vacation. Um, and then people were, you know, the business meetings and so on. It's a nice change of sure. pace from sitting in a, in a, you know, conference room in a, you know, in a hotel or, or something is, you know, to learn a little bit about, about a town crier and be, be welcome to a, to a jurisdiction in a, a pretty unique way. So, and it's, it's just that. And then of course the parades are always fun because it's just people out and like they say, everyone loves a parade. So it's the idea of, you know, Hey, we're here. Usually it's good weather. Um, you know, the George Washington parade is in February. So that, get kind of dicey um but if you're you're interacting with people on a fun time and they're having fun and it's kind of a good break from the day-to-day grind that is every day and you're you know you're not talking politics you're not talking you know pandemic you know you're talking you know about this event and and sometimes it's just fun to be out again and all that so that that's what really it's it's never even the same events that happen every year, parades and, um, you know, Alexander birthday celebration. It, I mean, happens every year, but it's never the same. Sure. So it's always a different vibe coming from the crowd and so on. So I think that's what keeps me coming back. I'm sort of interested in um, what happens to you when you put on the uniform, the costume. Is it sort of like a Clark Kent becoming Superman kind of thing? How do you sort of see those two sides of yourself fitting together? Yeah. And I, and I, and I, you know, I said this before. I mean, I, I keep them very separate. The the Ben and the Town Crier are are, are very separate. Um, and you know, for all the for all the therapists out there listening, yes, I I do realize I am the Town Crier, so it's not, <laughs> I'm not not having a mental break. Um, but it is it, it you know people recognize the Town Crier. You know, it's it's a it's a recognizable thing um people don't necessarily recognize you know pen fiore walker i mean unless you know me you know but um you know and 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 even if the people don't know it's a town crier it's it's something something is different um and um yeah of course the kids think i'm a pirate so that's always exciting but uh uh, but for, you know I, it's so it's you know i put on the uniform and it, then I'm, I'm representing the city so I'm not just me anymore. Um, I'm, you know, uh, I'm an ambassador for the city and I'm, a, you know, representing a thing for the city. So I don't want to do anything that would detract from the, the reputation 
of the of the you know of the city so so that makes it very being very conscious of what is going on and and, and what i'm doing and and you know so, and and very intentional about okay i'm driving from my house to the to the event uh you know i parked my car now i'm walking to the event i am now you know the town crier so you know smiling at people um saying hi to people and so on regardless of how you know ben may feel at that particular time um i put all that aside i put you know i'm not thinking about you know oh i gotta do my taxes later or you know i've gotta you know <laughs> i've gotta do you know whatever things for for work you know get that report out or or so on and so forth that you know i'm now doing this for the city and this is so so it's a nice break for me to you know kind of step outside myself but i'm also doing something that is very intentional for the jurisdiction so so that's that's a that's yeah so it is a little bit about like like superman and clark kent and and to that thought i was always growing up i always you know, looking at superman and clark kent i could never understand how people didn't recognize clark kent was superman sure. um yeah you know, he says what he did it was take off his suit and take off his glasses and it's exactly the same person um it's not like he's wearing a mask or anything but i found that as town crier there are there are people recognize me all the time as town crier and i take off the uniform and i show up and they have no idea who i am and uh and it's just like wow okay um sure uh, you know so it's it's the uniform is very something very different um and it takes some you know even people know me takes some a maybe a you know two beats like oh yes okay gotcha um Same. you know so it's 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 a it's a neat way to to be a town crier walk back to you know someplace if i take off you know i don't go into phone booths and change but if i went back and change out of the uniform and walk back it i could walk the same places and and hear people saying oh yeah town crier was pretty cool or you know or you know good things like that um my ego can't take when i say bad things but um but no i mean so it's it is different that it's i can you know little uh, ability to walk amongst the people <laughs> without being recognized sort of keeping in mind some of the work that you do um like in your professional life sort of around diversity and inclusion i am sort of interested in in your thoughts about sort of i guess the power of having a black town crier in a city like Alexandria, especially considering the city's history and sort of the history that you're representing, which is sort of like colonial history, which is mm -hmm. traditionally pretty whitewashed. Like we don't think of uh, black people in that time sort of wearing the tri-cornered hats and coats and stuff like that. Sure. We typically think of them when we think of black people in that time, we think in terms of slavery and sort of that side of the narrative. I guess for you, what is the value or, or power of having someone like yourself inhabiting that role and, and sort of being out in front of the public like that yeah and it, it's it's a great way to have that conversation sure you know it's a way yeah. it's a great way to to kind of open up to open it up because people who you know black and white um people who wouldn't necessarily think of you know africans or you know african americans you know or black people of you know, it, during that era uh, as being there were freemen that who were totally. going about their jobs you know yeah. and they were you know they dressed in the same clothing um if they were of means enough to purchase their clothing but that was 
the same for white people. If they could afford the clothing, they wore those clothing, that clothing. So, so when, even if they don't rec- they don't think about it, they say, Oh, okay. You know, Oh, you probably didn't do, they, they probably didn't have, you know, a black guy doing that. Then I'm like, well, actually in this particular town, they did, you know, we, we do know of one town crier in, in the 18, you know, 18 teens who was a, a, a black town crier and um, Peter Logan. And he was in the city directory as town crier. And, you know, some of the duties he did were the same as I do. Um, you know, he, he was present at the lighting of the, of the holiday tree, you know, leading parades. And, you know, he had a day job. He ran a business in Alexandria. So kind of the same types of things. And the, the only real prerequisite for being a town crier is you had to know how to read and now you think about oh well black people that town at that time couldn't read but that's where the kind of interesting history of alexandria it went from alexandria being part of virginia where a slaveholding state where you could not educate slaves to then being part of the the district of columbia which then federal district so it it was legal so you had over 50 years of of people black people being educated um, and then it went retroceded back to Virginia, where then it was illegal again. But then it was occupied by Northern uh, troops, Union troops during the Civil War, where then that those that ban was not um, was not enforced anymore. So you had this really history of people being able to be educated. So there's a period of time where people, black people, could read, and then okay, then you are then then you have satisfied if you weren't a slave you know you satisfy being uh the the prerequisite being the town crier so it's really neat that it opens the door to talk about that history um and um you know on my wall here i have a calendar uh that is it was all it's all history uh history about black people in the founding era so you know it's it's called black lives in the founding era so it's you know, it just talks about all these people and, you know, so here's, you know, today in January, it's Richard Allen from 1760 to 1831. And it's talked about, you know, he was born in slavery in Philadelphia and bought his freedom and he became a religious leader and founded, you know, uh, AME church. So, hmm. you know, so you, you, you read about this, it's just filled with this, you know, the, the different, what people that are of African descent were doing in this time period. And it's a, being a black town crier and being the second black town crier in Alexandria, um, and the first one was in the 1800s, it you know really has that conversation. Well, here you know it's race and and slavery and all that. It's a it's a much more complicated issue. Yeah. Um, and then then people talk about so or think about. Um, so it's it it's a neat way to kind of have that conversation and and say wow okay it's not as cut and dry as you know black it's not as black and white as you think it was it's you know it's a little more nuanced what do you feel like is the value of of a town crier specifically in 2022 when we're sort of obviously still dealing with the pandemic uh events are sort of have been flexible over the past two years they've been canceled for a time they came back and obviously now things are sort of rolled back a little bit with omicron but i guess for you, what do you see the value of your role 
uh, at this moment in, in time. So other than the things I just said about how having being that course, opening yeah. of that, uh, that hit, the other thing is when things do happen, it's a signal of normalcy. Right? Yeah. It's a little bit of getting back to the way things were. And, you know, I think it was just that, that glimmer. I mean, I, we had the, the tree lighting in, in November and it was back in person. So we were able to have it, you know, in person outside, you know, the program was changed a little bit. The kids couldn't come and sit on Santa's lap and, you know, talk to Santa. Couldn't do that. Couldn't have pictures with him. So, but it was, we were outside again and we'd walk, you know, light the tree. And so that was something that happened year after year after year after year. So that's, that's interesting. That's fun that people are like, okay, that's a little bit of my normal life back, you know, and then a few weeks later had the, um, the, the Christmas walk, you know, um, and that's, uh, you know, parade in December and it's like, okay. And, you know, it was like some really warm temperature, like 50 degrees. So <laughs> yeah. it was kind of weird, but, um, you know, but, but we're all outside again and, you know, and seeing it and seeing a parade and it's just seeing people like, okay. So it kind of, it's that little bit of, it, you know, breaks up the monotony and the, you know, the groundhog day like lives that we're re uh, living and getting back to something that was normal. So I think it, I represent, you know, and on all, and the events and, and sure. things that are happening, I, you know, kind of signify that getting back to normal, um, which is, which is, you know, which is nice. And we'll see how long it lasts. And, and, you know, if normal is back to way it was pre pandemic or a new normal, but sure. You know, it's, I think that's a good, that's a value right there. Definitely. I mean, we've all learned that sort of normalcy is a, is a, a powerful thing, especially in the last two years that have been far from normal. So Ben, we, we end every episode of speakeasy sort of with a, a common concept to cross community conversation by having the last sure. guest sort of pose a question to our current guest mm -hmm. and uh as the last guest of 2021 asking a question to the first guest of 2022 it is also a cross annual conversation here uh sure. audrey davis was the last guest of 2021 for our show uh -huh. um the owner of the or the operator of the uh, alexandria black history museum um yeah. and she asked the question what is your favorite childhood story? Yeah, and that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I was always fascinated by, um, or the the story of, for me was a story from my parents of how they met. Okay, um, which was which was really fun because it, it they told when I first heard it, I I was at that age where I didn't think you know you think like your parents are humans you know and yeah. have lives before <laughs> and, and you know and such um and they you know they they met at you know, at college uh, they they went to university of iowa and um you know so this was in the 50s and they met first because my dad was apparently walking on campus and my mom mistook him for someone who stood her up for a date so she and my mom's like, you know, five, two, you know, five, one. And she yeah. came storming across the street and started, you know, and my dad was a he ran track. So he was just this athlete. Um, and she 
came to her and yelled at him. He's like, how dare you stand her up for a date? If you're going to you know, say you're coming and going to meet me something, you better meet me. And, and, and he's looking like, I have no idea who you are. And she's just like, don't try that with me, just going on and on and on, and uh, which sounds very much like my mom. Um, but then, you know, so he, you know, and then she stormed off. And he just was, the way he tells it, he was just looking after her like, what just happened? Oh, well, so he goes off. And, and then that night, he was having in his, with his buddy, a house with his buddies, he was having a party. And it was, it was like I think if they named it like the the green beer or the bathroom the bathtub beer party or something like that, uh, where they they fill the bathtub with beer and they would ladle. Be- I don't know. It was just something. I was like that sounds horrible. Yeah. But um, but so anyway, so he, they're having this, and through someone, you know, my mom was invited, so she you know knocks on the door, and my dad opens the door. And they see each other. She's like, "It's you." It's you know. And then they became you know best friends. Um, and and you know they and they were just you know it's even before they were dating they were just friends. Um, and um, my mom would you know tell my dad about you know dates that she had and and so on and try to get the guy's perspective and you know that you know kind of rom com type situation. Yeah. So, but I just thought that was funny the way they met and just kind of. My mom just reading my dad the riot act, not even knowing who he is. And <laughs> then they met later at a at a party, and it's just like, are you stalking me? You know, but so I always thought that was funny. That's a pretty incredible story. I love that. What is a question you have for our next guest? Yeah, my question is, you know, are you doing something that you love? Hmm. And just you know, because I think, and that you know, just keeping at that question, but. For me, it's it's the background for that is, you know, life's too short to just do stuff. You know, do stuff that you love doing. Um, and and I do realize that sometimes there's circumstances and things. Sure. That, you know, it's like I got to pay the bills, and you know, what I what I love to do would not, you know, but least in all the catalog of things that that people love, are you doing something? that, you know, at least some part of your day, are you doing something that you love? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. I have. I love that because I think it's a good question for the start of the year too, when you're sort of looking, you've been reflecting and now you're looking ahead, sort of what can you do to sort of improve your life? I love that. Um, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, we we dealt in some, uh, turns out some pretty psychologically dense things in your life. So uh, (laughs) yeah. But I hope everybody sort of learned a little bit more. And, and next time you're out on a parade, everybody will sort of know a little bit more about you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, Alexandria, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>